Do you invest in ETFs? Whether you're thinking, what in the world is an ETF? Or you're looking for the next opportunity to add to your portfolio. GlobalX has you covered. From big tech to bonds and bars of gold, GlobalX offers a wide range of exchange-traded funds. Go beyond ordinary with GlobalX ETFs. Visit globalxetfs.com.au. That's globalxetfs.com.au. Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. G'day, Drew Meredith. G'day, Owen Raskovich. Well, good pronunciation. Today, we're talking about listed investment companies, otherwise known as LICs, otherwise known as LICs. Otherwise known as probably something else that we haven't heard of yet, but it'll not LITS. Not LITS. LITS is Listed Investment Trust. We're talking about listed investment companies, which we'll break down. We're going to give you the five key points that you need to know if this is your first ever introduction to LICS, what you need to know and what you don't need to know, probably a bit of that too. Drew is a financial planner with many years of experience based in Melbourne from Waddle Partners Financial Planning. I'm Owen Rask, been doing this for about 10 years, formerly an investment analyst who just focused on funds. So, Drew, how do you explain a listed investment company to a client that walks in the door? It's like buying a company that owns other companies. Well, let's hit stop on this recording. <laughs> uh, we are done there. So, it's a company that owns other companies. And it's most simple. I mean, it's a listed investment company. So, <laughs> well, yeah, it's listed on the stock exchange and it happens to be a company yep. that then takes shareholders' money, invests in other companies. It's just as we ex- will explain or have explained in the managed fund and ETF sessions, it's just another wrapper. Mm-hmm. through which you're able to pull your money with other people, get access to professional management, whether that's tracking an index or investing into a diversified pool of assets uh, and benefit from that and, and generally benefit from lower cost sometimes. Yep. Good point you bring up. We have covered managed funds, ETFs and index funds and a bunch of other stuff in this mini series. So we do these series where we talk for 20 minutes and 20 minutes alone about one topic. We do tend to do longer format our podcast, Drew and I, as well as heaps of other people. We do interviews once a week. We also do our two cents segment, which appears on a Saturday, where you can ask us questions. You send them in. It's a bit of fun. So send a question to us on the RASC websites. Just hit the button that says ask a question and select the Australian Investors Podcast. So Drew, it's a company that invests in other companies. So where do people get confused? Where? Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's quite a unique structure you gave me. (laughs) So this has come down to the, the type of structure that it is. We're being an open-ended versus a closed-end structure. Mm-hmm. Which we explained in the ETF. Exactly. Yep. So as a closed-end structure, new units aren't issued when you want to invest into it. For you to buy, so a perfect example would be Argo. Mm-hmm. Which is one of the big licks in Australia. Or AFIC. Yep. When you're buying one. units in Argo or AFIC, you're buying units from another shareholder yep. that is selling those units. So say, for example, there's a company in the middle of the table here. I'm sitting across from you. You have shares in AFIC. I want them. The only way that I can get them is if you're selling. Whereas with an ETF, they can just be magically created and I can just get those created ones. More than magic, but yes. More than magic, yeah. Well, when it's indistinguishable from science, it's magic. Um, So (laughs) ETFs aren't magic. (laughs) Very close. (laughs) Okay, so we've got, it's a what we call a closed-end structure, meaning that it's closed-ended. They can't just create more and more and more shares. I mean, they can sell new shares, but they have to announce that. They have to go through a full process, blah, blah, blah. So- Licks, mostly closed-end, ETFs, open-ended. I feel like another place where people get confused is there's a difference between the share price of a lick and what's inside it. 
So can you explain how that works? Well, it's the same as if you look at a company like vicinity centers. Let's consider maybe an example work. Maybe we'll overcomplicate things as well. A shopping center company. Yeah. Yeah. So anything that owns property, you know that the properties in there have a valuation. Someone's done a valuation. You know that the value of those, uh, the assets that that company owns after debt is like $1.50. That stock can trade it doesn't have to trade a dollar fifty just because that's the value of the assets, and this is almost Warren Buffett like intrinsic value ideas. It can trade it at higher than that if generally if people think the value of their property is actually higher than it should be, or it can trade lower than that at a discount. And it's the same concept for licks. So essentially, a lick holds a portfolio, African Argo of CBA, BHP, West Farmers, uh, and those assets valued every day and have a pool. I think it's a couple hundred million or a couple of billion. And it is because of the closed-end structure, if the supply and demand for those shares is uneven, they can trade at a premium or a discount. Okay. So it can be the value of what's inside it can be above or below the share price. Exactly. That's a short way to answer my long question. No, that's really good because it made sense with the, the property too. Yeah. So you actually bring in a very important point. That is with an ETF, an ETF has to buy and sell something So if it's got shares inside of it, it has to buy something which is what we call liquid. Meaning because the new units or the new parts of the ETF can be created or redeemed, meaning that they disappear, they have to be able to buy and sell whatever they're getting new in their basket every single day. So if I go and buy an ETF, like say the VAS ETF from Vanguard, which is the biggest one in the country, all that does is invest in the top 300 companies. If I put a thousand bucks into that thing, Vanguard's market makers have to go and find those 300 shares, put them in a basket, give that basket to Vanguard, and I get the units in Vanguard. That's basically the way it works. But with a lick- Basket's already there. The basket's already created. So that could be a property, and they're not going to have to worry. If I go and buy $1,000 worth, do I have to go and buy $1,000 of another property? No, because I'll just buy those shares from you, Drew. And you're getting the inherent capital gains position of those as well. So a listed investment company will report after tax and before tax valuation. Essentially, because if they had to sell all their assets, they'd realize capital gains. And that is the value that you'd get after the capital gains tax was reduced, was was paid. That's another really good point. Is that you mentioned this in our other sessions where we talked about uh, managed funds and index funds, is that their trust structure. So the legal trust where if we buy into an ETF, the tax position of the buying and selling that happens comes back to me as an individual investor. However, in a company structure, the company pays its own tax. So Argo or AFIC or any of the big licks, Wham, they pay their own tax at the tax rate for a company, which means that they can decide not to you know, send you dividends or they can just pay dividends on the profit that they receive. And this is one of the big pros and cons of the, of the structure. Absolutely, because they can basically take the dividends that they receive from their investments, hold on to it, pay tax on it, and then only when they want to, send them back to you. And the franking credits. And the franking credits. So they can accumulate huge pools of franking credits because they're a company receiving dividends from another company which may generate franking credits. And it was perfect on show perfectly during the pandemic 2020 and 2021. So when CBA, BHP, all the banks cut their dividends by 50% or didn't pay them. Which affected the ETFs. Exactly. Argo and ETF and uh, AFIC, I think from memory, barely changed their dividends. They stayed the same. So that shows you that they could accumulate the profits hold on to them, and then distribute them when they want to do. And smoothing the yeah, returns smoothing the, the dividends. Smoothing. We need deep voices smoothing <laughs> the dividends. But that is one of the benefits. Now, let me just throw out a big drawback of one of these things. 
costs. Costs are one of the big reasons that people are turned off of some licks, not all of them. African Argo have extremely low costs, actually. Is that because they're predominantly actively managed? It is, but also because they have company structures managing them. So these are actual companies that have teams that have to pay investors to manage the money, which you said is active management. But they also have all the other incidental costs, whereas an ETF is just a trust. We've spoken off air about what it takes to run an ETF. It's probably about 150 grand a year. You pay a custodian and market maker, and that's about it, and your staff and your admin staff probably. And that's why fees for ETFs can be so low. Whereas with a company, you've got to employ people, you've got to do this. And so what happens in a lick is there's a thing called a management agreement. And that management agreement sets out who's going to manage the pool of money inside that company and for how long. So let's take another big lick provider in the country, NAOS, N-A-O-S. They predominantly specialize in small companies. They have licks on the ASX, which you can buy, and they invest in small companies. Now, they have management agreements that allows them to manage that lick for the shareholders. But there may come a time when that expires and another manager comes in and takes control of it. And that happens. And that's the agreement. And there's costs and things associated with that. So overall, on the ASX, the last time I crunched these numbers, broadly speaking, the fees for a listed investment company were on average 1%. For an M fund, which is just a managed fund that can be bought on the ASX, 0.9%. For an ETF, 0.5%. So ETFs are clearly the cheapest overall. One of the reasons for that, Drew, is that the other two structures can have performance fees. Yes, which are lumpier and backward looking yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. So there are pros and cons. A lot of retirees love listed investment companies because they can generate consistent franking credits and get refunds. Whereas with the ETF, sometimes they can be lumpy like during the coronavirus crash. But you've seen 85% of listed investment companies trade to discount. Yeah, that's the big problem. And I think the predominant driver of that is the fact that most of them are actively managed if you think about it. So there's no reason, you don't have to be an actively managed to be a lick and you don't have to be passively managed to be an ETF. But the history of these two tends to be that one's active and one's inactive. That's the way, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then with active management, there's a risk that you underperform the index and the assets be in that lick worth more than what the unit price is trading at. Mm. One of my old colleagues, Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool, would always say never to buy a listed investment company unless it's trading at a discount, meaning that the share price is below the value of what's inside it. And that can be because of that built-in tax. You know, you said like, one of the things, if you look at the what Argo and AFIC have invested in, what you will see is that they've held shares like BHP, CSL, and these types of companies for 10 or 20 years. And sometimes they can't trade because of that. Yeah, they've still got the tax. You know, they've got such a big tax position, they're never going to sell it. So that would have to be reflected in the true value of whatever's inside it. Because if they, if they do decide to sell it and they have to pay tax, then obviously they're going to have to take that tax out of the valuation. So that's why some people prefer to pay less than the share price. Whereas with an ETF, as you know now, an ETF is like what you see is what you get. Whereas with a leak, you can be up above or below. Finally, I should just maybe briefly circle back to this idea of what a lick can hold as a tax structure. Because an ETF can only really invest in things that are really highly liquid, meaning like they can really only be an ETF for things that you can buy and sell daily because you need to buy and sell daily into the ETF. But with a lick, they can hold things like private companies, properties, they can own infrastructure. They can own basically anything. Be a bit more patient, yeah. Yeah. And so 
for me personally, Drew, when I'm looking at a lick, I'm not looking at a lick that goes and invests in the top 200 Aussie shares. I'm looking for an ETF. For you can that. get that for next to nothing. Yeah. An ETF's cheaper, easier, more transparent. But when it comes to things like private companies, there are some licks on the ASX that invest in private companies. Private equity. Yep. Private equity. These types of things. I'm thinking this is the way I want to get that exposure. Because those types of investments require a long-term perspective. And only the lick structure really provides that comfort for the investor. Because the money's not just going to be swept out from underneath them. They know they've got this amount of money. It's locked in. It's closed end. They can trade if they really have to. Yep. And they can do that. But for the most part, that is where you'd want to use a lick, in my opinion. I mean, there are many other people who would probably disagree with me on that. But at the end of the day, a listed investment company definitely has its place in a portfolio, if you ask me. I tend to prefer the lower cost of an ETF, but licks do the job as well. I don't know, do you use any licks in your model portfolios? Not in our models. We prefer to have a bit more control. Yep. And the biggest drawback we've seen is, is that inherent stickiness of their top holdings. Yeah. That the biggest ETFs and licks and the ones that trade at the most premium or the highest premiums, they can't turn over their portfolio enough to adjust to what's happening in the in the market. So you end up and you just end up buying a portfolio that's full of CSL, CBA, which you can either buy yourself or via IOZ or VAS. Yeah. Yeah. You get some good management in those, but that's like you said, you've got to pay up for them. What's the point? I like what Jeff Wilson does though. Yeah, where he's more activist and active. Like yeah. you're saying he finds them that are trading at a discount, he'll take a stake and try to grow into a significant stake and then advocate for change. He's merged like five to 10 LICs into his own LICs. Yeah, because I'll just expand on this. So what if you have the ability, imagine that you have um, a, a LIC, a listed investment company that has an NTA, that's what we call it, net tangible assets, or the value of everything inside of it. Think of Drew's property example before at $1. Now let's imagine you can buy it on the market, i.e. the share price is 60 cents. That means there's a 40% discount. It's a 40% difference there. So what you can do if you could buy the whole company, you could buy the whole company for 60 cents and then sell it for a dollar. Sell all the assets. So that's what some of these big providers do. They don't have the ability to buy all of the shares, but what they'll do is they'll buy like 20% and they'll say, okay, guys, it's time for us to close this down. Close it down, sell the assets, get your dollar back. Bob's your uncle. It's a private equity approach in public markets. Yeah. It's more of an aggressive thing you could say, but that's why it's characterized, but that is what it is. There is one final distinction I want to draw here, Drew. A lot of people think that companies like Wes Farmers, which owns Bunnings, owned a bit of Coles, Officeworks, or Washington Heights, Sol Pattinson, which owns a big chunk of TPG, or all those businesses, Brickworks. They think that those are listed investment companies, are they? No, they're conglomerates and they own operating businesses versus passive stock holdings that they have in other businesses. So actively involved. So they're just regular companies that happen to invest in other companies. Whereas listed investment companies are set up specifically to make investments. Passively. So they don't own those businesses. They're they not management positions no. on boards or… They may have on the board of director, but they don't control the companies necessarily. I'm sure there are numerous rules around certain things happening within those companies. But for the most part, there are differences. So we've got ETFs, really low cost, long-term focused, more transparent, but the tax is passed through to you. Licks in the middle, which pay their own tax, can pay you franking credits good for those markets where it's not as easy to buy and sell for the, the different types of investments. And then you've got conglomerates, which are just big companies that happen to invest in other companies. There is a monthly market report that's issued by the ASX. This report is called an ETP report, and it shows you every single lick, the fees, how much money is invested, and it shows you all the things you need to know, like performance. It's issued by the ASX itself every single month, available in PDF or Excel. It also includes every ETF 
listed fund, so on, REIT, Real Estate Investment Trust. Jeez, we just keep going with these acronyms. And you can access that on the ASX website. So we'll put that link in the show notes if you want to dive deeper. It's, the data is also available on the best ETF website, bestetfs.com.au. Finally, for extra reading and research, we've got the LICAT website. It's L-I-C-A-T. LICAT or LICAT is the organization that, I guess, represents the LIC industry, but also the LIT industry, which is the Listed Investment Trust. Jeez, we're getting through the acronyms. It is finance after all. Okay, Drew, that's it. That's enough. 16 minutes of listed investment companies. I think we've done enough without getting too deep in the weeds on individual ideas. If you do like this podcast series, please let us know. And if you want to recommend topics for future consideration, we will definitely do that. We also answer your questions every Saturday morning. Uh, you send us the questions via any of the RASC websites. Hit ask a question. We will answer your questions. Bonus points for whoever sends in the funniest name. Drew, you deal with retirees, all different types of investors who want to build a portfolio, who want to create wealth for themselves, passive income. Imagine these are really popular. Resilient portfolios, yes. Resilient portfolios. I like that phrase. Just trademark that. So waterpartners.com.au or just find the link in your show notes and click on the button and fill out the form there. And it will basically help you get in contact with Drew and the team there, Jamie, Roshana, everyone involved. I'm Owen Rask. You can find me on the Rask websites, rask.com.au. Take a free course or listen to the podcast. Like it if you subscribe. Drew, as always, thanks for joining me. Good to see you. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says Invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.